Last week, I talked, I introduced you, uh, many of you for the first time, to a guy named Matthew who was a tax collector. He was a guy who we made the argument who was a believer that had yet to follow, right? Who was a believer who had yet to follow. Can I uh, want to make this statement for you? It's up on the screens here. Didn't make the bulletin. Uh, but you can be a believer and stay right where you are. You realize that, right? Like you can believe something and not change the direction of your life. But movement is required if you're going to follow. So last week we talked about Matthew who was sitting behind the tax collector's booth. Jesus walks up and says, will you follow me? And he follows Jesus and his life forever changes. Okay. Here's another little thought that we had um, from last week. If you haven't come from somewhere, then you're still there. Like, right? I mean, it's a silly thought, but it's true. Like when, when you follow Jesus, you, you move. But if you're like, well, me and my wife, we keep having the same argument. Um, I'm at a new job, but I'm facing the same issues. Um, me and my kids, I'm having the same. Like if you continue to see patterns like here I go again, right? Same thinking, same negativity. There's parts of your life that you haven't yet con- uh, conditioned or haven't uh, submitted to following Jesus, I'm not saying 100% of you isn't following, but sometimes there's things that we hold back and we say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but there's certain things that we yet to follow him in. If you haven't come from somewhere, then guess what? You're still there and you can't say, oh yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus in that area. Maybe you follow Jesus in your generosity, but you don't follow him with the words that you used out of your mouth and you, and you just have terrible language or you're a gossip or you tell lies. And, but that there's a part of you that you have yet to allowed to follow Jesus. Today, we're not looking at a guy who was a believer that became a follower. Today, we're looking at a follower who stopped following and then came back to following. So it's a fun journey. Today, um, if you're here and you get that Connect card, like, like Sabre said in the video, we are updating our system. So man, if, if you don't mind just filling that out at a part of the message where you get bored, maybe right now, just fill that out and, uh, and let us kind of know if your contact information has been updated. But the thing that some of you are going to be interested about today on this Connect card is at the bottom where it says, Today I, you're going to be curious about the middle one. I am choosing or I am coming back to Jesus. You're going to be curious about maybe that one. Uh, because I, here's what I'm curious about. Are there men and women in the room who at some point in your life would you would say, Man, I was really following Jesus, but something happened and your, your, your following, your love for God has grown cold. And you still believe, and you still have some mechanics that you do, you still have some disciplines that you do because you were just conditioned that way. But if you were honest, and if if we could put the holy spotlight on your life, you would say, man, I just don't follow like I used to follow. Today, I hope that you are going to be encouraged. So let's look at John chapter 21. We're at to the table. We're going to look at a meal that happened over a charcoal fire. Jesus takes Peter to a barbecue. Who likes barbecue? Awesome, right? So Jesus is going to take Peter to a barbecue. And at the barbecue, you know what Jesus is going to do? He's going to define the relationship. Who liked those conversations when you were younger, right? When the girl said, hey, we needed to define this this relationship. Oh, no. (laughs) Run. Right? Here we go. Jesus is going to define the relationship. After this, if you see those first two words, if you read John chapter 20, uh, Jesus has resurrected. This is post-crossed post-resurrection, Jesus has briefly appeared to the disciples two times already, and they're freaked out. They're completely confused on what's going on. So would you be if you saw your friend die on a cross, buried in the tomb, and then all of a sudden he magically appears into your room and then disappears just as amazingly. You'd be like, what's going on? Am I seeing things? Am I crazy, right? Who spiked the bread or the wine? Okay. After Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee, um, uh, now after this, uh, I'm sorry, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, also in some translations, the Sea of Galilee. Now, this is how he did so. Peter. 
Thomas, Nathaniel, James, John, and two other disciples of Jesus were together. Peter told them, they'll mean the disciples, I am going fishing. We will go with you, they replied. And they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught how much? How much did they catch that night? Okay, so there's more to the story than just some guys getting in a boat and going fishing, right? They fished all night. They didn't just go out for a fishing trip. They get in the, in the boat in the evening, and they fish all the way till sunrise, which we're going to see in a moment. And this is, this is important because Peter uh, goes back to what he knows. Peter was the primary disciple of Jesus. He was probably he was uh, hands down the closest one to Jesus. Next would probably be uh, James and John. But those three, man, they saw Jesus do some miraculous things. They had conversations with Jesus that other guys didn't have. And Peter is emotionally wiped out, and he's completely ashamed. Peter is the one, just about eight days earlier, is the one who has three opportunities to uh, communicate that he knows Jesus. And he's standing around different times of fire at night, and Jesus is on the other side of the wall being tortured and beaten. And on separate occasions, uh, he's asked, uh, hey, aren't you with him? Aren't you that, with that Galilean? Don't you know Jesus? And each time, he denies that he even knows Jesus. The third time, uh, even, even kind of putting a swear to it, like, I swear, I, I make an oath, I don't know the man. And, um, and so Peter is distraught emotionally because he was the top dog of the disciples. And if anybody was going to be the one to be so bold and follow Jesus, it was going to be Peter. And yet it's him who completely let, let them and himself down. Jesus didn't live up to his expectations. He's ashamed. And so what does Peter do? He goes back to his old job. He goes back to what he knows, and he takes the guys with him. And they love Peter. They follow him. They say, we're going to go with you, right? And so here's a question that I have for you to kind of uh, put there in your outline is, have you gone back because of Jesus' methods? Maybe the reason that you've stopped following, maybe the reason that you don't love Jesus or follow Jesus as much as you used to is because Jesus hasn't lived up to your expectations. He's done things differently than you think that he should, like meaning that if you were Jesus, you would be Jesus differently. If you were Jesus, you would go about your life a completely different way. And because Jesus hasn't done what you think Jesus should do, you have not disowned Jesus. You haven't said, no, I don't believe in you. It's still there. But you're just not as hardcore into following as you used to be. Just be honest with yourself. He let you down. You don't like him as much as you used to. Still God, still confess him to be the son of God. Know that he died on the cross, believe that he went to the tomb, believe that he was resurrected, but he hasn't lived up to your expectations. Some of you quit following because of that. Your, your faith has grown code. The other is, might be the second reason. Have you gone back because of shame? You, you, your lifestyle, the decisions that you have made, uh, you, you are so uh, unpleased with your behavior. You're so distraught with how, what you have done, how you've wrecked your life, wrecked your past marriages, wrecked relationships, wrecked jobs, wrecked uh, your relationship with your mom and dad, your grandparents, your kids. Like you, there's so much shame in your life that you are completely unworthy to even be a follower of Jesus. And because of what you've done, you, you just feel completely guilty, and I don't even want to be in Jesus' presence. It's nothing that He's done. It's what you've done, and you're... What worth are you to follow Jesus? Maybe that's why. Peter, I believe, was going through both of those. So they get back in the boat, and again, to remind us, how many fish do they catch? Zero, nothing, great. So let's continue, verse uh, 4. When it was already early morning, so they fished all night, sun's coming up, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, Children, you don't have any fish, do you? They replied, No. He told them, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they threw the net and were not able to pull it in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, which was John, 
said to Peter, It is the Lord. So Simon Peter, when he heard that it was the Lord, tucked in his outer garment, for he had on nothing, he had nothing on underneath it, and plunged into the sea. Uh, I'm reminded of how many of you guys have seen the movie Forrest Gump? I love the movie Forrest Gump. It's been playing like on TNT or one of those shit channels all week long. Guessing that I'm always thinking Forrest Gump, where uh, Lieutenant Dan is sitting in the wheelchair on the on the bank because Lieutenant Dan said if Forrest was ever a fishboat cap- captain, he would come be his first mate. And Forrest is driving the Jenny, the Jenna. You remember that? Come on. And and he looks up and he sees Lieutenant Dan with no legs in there. And what does he do? He just jumps out of the boat into the water and swims with Lieutenant Dan. Right. So anyway, I think of that. Peter was like Lieutenant Dan, except Peter had legs. All right. And maybe he jumped out of the boat uh, with his clothes on because he thought he was going to be able to walk on water again. We don't know, right? That's a little bit of a joke. Okay, so anyway, I'll move on. (laughs) Meanwhile, the other disciples came with the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, only about 100 yards. Like, that's not far if you're in a boat, but can you imagine swimming 100 yards clothed? Like, I can't. I would uh, not get very far at all, okay? Uh, When they got out on the out. On the beach, they saw a charcoal fire ready with a fish placed on it. Isn't it interesting that Jesus already had a fish? Like, maybe um, the thing that we're trying to accomplish, Jesus already has. You know, because it doesn't say Jesus showed up with his fish and poe and bait. Like, the Lord is our provider, right? That was the name of God in the Old Testament. The, the Lord who provides. And so he says he already has a fish on a charcoal fire and bread. Jesus said, bring some of the fish you have just now caught. And they do that. And so here in this moment, you have John realizing that it's Jesus. And you have Peter and his great, again, here's the bravado. Peter doesn't even think. He's just jumping into the water like Forrest Gump. And he's going to swim to the Lord, right? Um, no, but I want you to notice what Jesus does. How does Jesus respond in this moment? Look at that. I'll put that in your bulletins on the screen. Jesus says, children, you don't have any fish, do you? Here's what you think Jesus is going to do. You've gone back to your old life, and Jesus shows up on the shore, and someone says, hey, you want to come to church with me? And the Lord's there. And you think that the Jesus is going to stand on the shore and go, hey, you bunch of morons, why are you going back? Where's your faith? I, I knew I couldn't count on you. I knew you let me down time and time and time again. Man, Jesus doesn't respond that way at all, does he? He doesn't call you. He doesn't condemn the guys for going fishing. He doesn't say, why didn't you have enough faith to do what I tell you to do? Why in the world are you going back to your old lifestyle? He doesn't say any of those things. He asks a question. He says, children, you don't have any fish, do you? And he knows the answer, right? That's Jesus' way of saying this. Hey, how's life working for you? That's what he's saying, right? Like, you were following me, and I let you down, or you did something that you think is so bad that we can't do relationship. And so you've gone back to what you know. You've gone back to past habits, past ways of doing life. And Jesus just stands on the shore of your life, and he says, Hey, how's it working for you? You got a lot of fish? Is it working? Hey, Peter, how much fish you got? All night long. All night long, you're killing yourself. You're working so hard. How many fish you got? Come on, I let you down. I know my way wasn't working. I know you're ashamed, so you can't follow me, so you've gone back. How's it working for you, church? You've gone back to what you knew. You've gone back to your past ways of doing things because, uh, you know, whatever. How's it working? Are you happy? Are you doing well? Mm, Probably not. You probably got empty nets. It's not in your bulletins. It's on the app. It's on the screen. Here's a question I have for you. Talking about these empty nets. I don't have it written down either, so Summer's going to have to put it up there. (laughs) I don't have it memorized, Summer. Yeah, it's after the Luke 5. There you go. When you listen and obey, you catch fish. When you unfollow and go back, you have empty nets. 
right? When you listen and obey, you catch fish. When you uh, uh, don't listen and when you choose to unfollow, you have empty nets. And here's the beautiful thing. You have to choose uh, what you want to do. See, um, I'm not in your boat. Your boat ain't my boat. I got my own boat that I'm responsible for. I've got my own nets, and I've got the own, my own things that, that the Lord is teaching me and working out in me. And like my faith and my hope that you do something actually has very little willpower on you actually doing it. And so at some point, you have to come to terms with the Lord and say, am I going to do what you asked me to do, or am I going to continue doing life my way? And man, you know what? It's nobody's fault. It's nobody's answer. It's nobody's life to live but yours. At the end of the day, you don't get to point at me and say, it's Matt Miller's fault. Or point at her and say it's her fault, or him and say it's him his fault. Or, well, if my dad would have, or if my mom would have, or if my boss would have. No, at the end of the day, it's your boat, it's your decision. Are you going to allow the Lord to fill your nets, or are you going to go about it your own way and keep killing yourself, wearing yourself out, doing what works for you? Man, that's a tough question, isn't it? Let's continue to see what Peter does. I love this. Now, um, this conversation is about to get really deep, okay? And I want you to know that coming in, because you can just read this story, and you go, oh, that's a really nice little interchange that Peter and Jesus had. That this conversation is about to get really deep between Peter and the Lord. Three, uh, two guys who have been together every day for three years. These guys are tight. And so we're, we're going from shallow to deep relationship stuff. Are you ready for this? I think Jesus will do the same thing with you. That's why I'm trying to prep you. Like there's a time when Jesus has to pull you out of the shallow thinking and he has to pull you into some deep things. Okay, here we go. Then when they had finished breakfast, so they have their meal, Jesus said to Peter, let's turn this over, Peter, son of John, do you love me more than these? He replied, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus told him, feed my lambs. Jesus said a second time, Peter, son of John, do you love me? He replied, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus told him, shepherd my sheep. Jesus said a third time, Peter, son of John, do you love me? Peter was distressed that Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus replied, feed my sheep. Now, there's, the word love is there seven times. Okay, Seven times you read the word love there. But actually, there's two things taking place. Like We have the word love for love. Uh, in Jesus's, uh, in, in the Greek, there's actually about seven words for love, and there's two of them used here, okay? I want you to put this in. Maybe you're going to learn a little bit this morning. Uh, the first one that I want you to notice is the word agape. Maybe you've heard that word before, agape. And the definition for agape that I gave for you is a selfless, self-giving, an all-in type of love. Like, this is the type of love that you hope you're getting from your spouse when you get married, right? A selfless, self-giving, I'm all in. Like, just please don't marry the person, or if you did, sorry, who says, I'm going to kind of like you, and I'm going to be kind of serving, and I'm partially, I'm halfway there. Okay, babe, I'm halfway there. Just say, I'm going to go get Taco Bell. This is bad. This is bad. Don't do that. Okay? Agape is selfless, self-giving, and all-in type of love. God agape the world this way that he sent his one and only son, right? That God had an all-in kind of love that he sent Jesus to go to the cross and to resurrect for you. The second word that's used in this, in this conversation between Jesus and Peter is the word uh, phileo. And it simply means having a very best friend. Who's got a best friend? It's about show of hands. Who has a bestest friend, right? So, several of you do. This is, this is what that means. Like, I have a phileo type of love for you. You are my bestest, bestest friend. Okay? Now, 
I'm going to put those definitions back into the story so that we can read this dialogue maybe from a different perspective. Then, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, Hey, Peter, son of John, are you all in? Will you be selfless and self-giving? Peter replied, Yes, Lord, you know I'm your best friend. Jesus told him to feed my lambs. A second time, Jesus said, Peter, son of John, are you all in? Will you be selfless and self-giving? Peter replied, Yes, Lord, you know I am your best friend. Jesus told him, then shepherd my sheep. Jesus said a third time, Peter, son of John, will you be my best friend? See, Jesus changes it. Will you be my best friend? Peter was distressed that Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I am your best friend. Jesus replied, feed my sheep. Okay. Now, I want to give you three observations of what's going on. There's more observations that we can make. I want to give you just three, all right? Um, First observation is this. You might think that Jesus is lowering the bar. That Jesus starts with this, hey, are you going to be all in? Are you going to be all in? And Peter keeps saying, man, I'm your best friend. I'm your best friend. And then finally, Jesus says, are you my best friend? And Peter says, you know, I'm your best friend. So is Jesus lowering the bar so that Peter can follow? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I think, I think the Lord is meeting Peter where he is because Peter was the one just eight, we, uh, eight days earlier who was like, I will die with you. Man, you, there ain't nothing going to sit. Baby, I'm, I'm super disciple. There ain't nothing going to stop me. And yet Jesus watches him deny him three times. Peter's ego has been bruised greatly. His bravado has been turned way down. I think Peter is a little slow to say, you know, I'm all in because Peter's just reflected. He wasn't that he had an opportunity to be all in, and what did he do? I don't know him. He didn't even have phileo kind of love, right? And so I think Peter is a little slow to make that commitment. Maybe you're slow to make a commitment because you've let Jesus down, right? So what does Jesus do? Does he say, well, tough, buddy. It's either here or nothing. No, I think Jesus gets to the place where he can meet. Uh, So maybe you want to type in this. Jesus never lowers the bar on his expectations, but he will meet you in the current situation. Jesus will meet you. Now, here's what we know about Peter right, is that Jesus knows that Peter will be all in. and Because P- Peter, the script, if you continue reading John chapter 21, if you finish it out, Jesus says to Peter, at one point in your life right now, you kind of do what you want to do and you go where you want to go, but there's coming a time where people are going to take you by the arms and they're going to pull you where you don't want to go and you're going to give your life for my sake. In the story of Peter's life, that he was martyred for his love and faithfulness to Jesus and that he was crucified uh, just as Jesus was. But at the crucifixion, he said he was not worthy to die as Jesus did. So they actually crucified Peter upside down. That's the legend that goes with how Peter died. That Peter died crucified upside down because he wasn't worthy to be crucified as Jesus was. Peter was all in. Peter gave it all. He was just nervous at the time to make that commitment. And the Lord will meet you where you are. He will meet you where you are. Number two, second observation. There's this expectation that if you love Jesus, that you're going to serve his people. Notice what Jesus says. He says, uh, uh, let me maybe say what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, hey, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. And then he doesn't go on again. He gives Peter a condition. There's a then. Jesus says the same thing to you and I. Hey, uh, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Then, right? Then, like there is something that's going to reveal that you love him. Like, then do nothing. That's not, Jesus is not going to say, then do nothing. For three times, he says to Peter, he says to shepherd, right? Let's kind of look at these. The first one says, feed my lambs. Then he says, shepherd my sheep. And then he says, feed my sheep. There is, this, there is this condition on Peter that Jesus expects him, if you love me, that you're going to serve the sheep. Now, do you know who the sheep are? You know who the sheep are, right? Just look to your left and to your right. Look forwards and behind you. 
We are the sheep. You're the sheep. I'm the sheep. And and listen, here's the difference between being um, a, a, a part of the church and being a part of the congregation. A part of the congregation just comes and takes uh, enjoyment of the coffee and the donuts and the kids' stuff and the worship and the teaching. And you, The Bible, it would be the crowd. But you know what the church does? The church realizes that we're sheep and that the sheep, we're also shepherds and that we have to care for one another. And so, again, I, don't, don't feel me like I'm trying to twist your arm, but you need to understand this, is that there is an expectation. This is your body. Like This is, this is your church. This is my church, and this is your church. Right? I serve this body. I serve this body. I pick up trash when I see it on the floor. I, I hug babies. I, 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 I care for our kiddos, just like you do, right? Like, there's things that when you're a part of a church that you do to serve it. You don't do it because, like, uh, no, like I can't say, well, man, I'm really not called to pick up trash off the bathroom floor, so I'm going to let somebody that's called do that. That's crazy, right? You guys are my sheep, and I am your sheep, and Jesus is our shepherd. And Jesus, what Jesus said to Peter, I believe he says to us that, hey, if you love me, just one simple thing, feed my sheep, care for my sheep, shepherd my sheep. And even outside of this context, like how, how, do we care, how are we caring for one another outside of Sunday morning? How are we showing up? Like we are a body. Paul says in Romans uh, that, that, that when the one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers, right? You don't believe me? On your way out, kick that door as hard as you can without your shoe on. Just kick it. Kick it with your little pinky toe and tell me if your whole body doesn't limp the rest of the day. It's just your little pinky. You don't even need that thing, do you? I don't know. I've got one. I've never really think about it a whole lot, right? But when you hurt something in your body, your whole body feels that thing. Man, if you love him, there's this expectation that you serve him. Third thing, third observation. And this is the, probably the deepest one. Don't run from a difficult conversation with Jesus. Three times he asked him, Peter, do you love me? Three times. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Why three times? This is my commentary on why. Is it because Jesus had really hard hearing? No. Was it because Jesus wanted uh, Peter to feel bad? I think it's because of this. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? And if you remember the scripture, he denied Jesus around a fire. In the courtyard of the temple, three times, around a fire. You can read it. Here we are again, some over eight days later. Jesus has got him back around a fire. Do you love me? See, sometimes God has to take you back to the fire. He has to take you back to the place where you have uh, let him down, where you think that he has let you down, and he asks you a question like, hey, are you still with me? Are you still all in? Hey, do you... Are, are you still all in with me? Remember that commitment you made when you were a youth? Are you still all in? What's happened? Remember that commitment you made just uh, two weeks ago? What's going on? Why, why, why is the flame growing soft in your heart? Why, why are you not as passionate about me? I'm bringing you back to the fire. Do you love me? Right? And I'm telling you, you don't think Peter, it says Peter was distressed. They did, Jesus, Peter was distressed because Jesus asked him a third time. You don't think it clicked in Peter's brain when Jesus asked him a third time? Oh my gosh, I've been here. I've done this before. You know why G- Peter jumped out of the boat? One of the reasons why is because we didn't use the scripture, but you can look it up. It's in your bulletin, Luke chapter 5. It's where Jesus gets in his boat when he first meets Peter. And he says, hey, Peter, push out from shore. I'm going to teach these people. And when he gets done teaching, he goes, hey, let's throw the net out. And Peter goes, I don't want to, man. I've worked all night long, haven't caught any fish. Jesus says, throw the net out. Peter throws the net out. Guess what happens? Catch so many fish that he can't bring the net in. And so when this guy on the shore says, hey, throw the net on the other side, and he does it, man, well, that's the Lord. I've been here. 
I've been here in His provision. Oh my gosh, I've been here when I've denied Him. I've been here. See, there comes a time maybe in your life for those of us who have quit following where the Lord brings you back to that. He brings you back to it. And it look it can look a million different ways depending on your life. But He brings you back to it and He says, Okay, do you love me? Here's my three encouragements to you if you find yourself in that place. Number one, own it. Own it. Just own your past behavior. It was me. I did it. Just, just own it. As much as that hurts and as painful as it is, just fight the temptation to blame anyone else and just say, and there, might, there probably was reasons why. But it doesn't matter. Own it. Two, repent of your action or actions. Just repent. What does repent mean? Jesus, I agree that that behavior or those behaviors were opposite of you, and I choose not to do those anymore. Repent is not I'm sorry. Repent is I agree that that behavior was wrong, and I choose to not do that anymore. And number three, choose to follow Jesus going forward. Man, Jesus has so much confidence in a guy who completely let him down. I mean, you got I me. Mean, read, read the New Testament. Peter plays a crucial part in the life. The, the reason we're here today is because of things that Peter did forever ago. Man, he was all in. Notice how this ends. So when Peter saw him, him being John, he asked Jesus, Lord, what about him? And Jesus replied, If I want him to live until I come back, what concern is that of yours? You, what? You follow me. After the fire... There could be temptation to be curious about what happens to other people. Well, God, what about him? God, what about her? Why does, why does that seem to be so easy for her? Why does that seem to be so hard for him? Hey, God, what about this person? What about that person? And what is Jesus? I can see Jesus grabbing him by the shoulders and say, Peter, right here, buddy, right here. Don't worry about John. You follow me. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus, right? Not, comp- not competition. It's not, man, this person seems to be doing better. It's not being arrogant. It's not being a false humility. It's just simply saying, Jesus is saying, Peter, stay focused, buddy. Stay focused. Here's my, my charge to us today. For those of us in the room who, are, um, who your faith has grown cold, man, this is my attempt to fan that little spark back into a flame. You ain't done yet. You ain't done. I love the fact that this morning... Um, a guy named Roger was looking for a guy named Marty because Marty is a big part of friendship and discipleship in Roger's life. And I love the fact that Roger is looking for his friend at church. Now, what what does that mean? What am I doing? It is really important that Marty is at church, not because he needs to hear what I've got to say or because he likes the four songs we do this morning. Marty is needed by his friends. There are sheep that need their Marty, right? And Roger ain't falling apart. He's a great dude. He just, this is a friend. I want to say about my friend at church, right? How do we get to the place, you and me, where people need us at church? They expect to see us when they come around other sheep that you're needed. I had the chance to pray with Apex this morning over an opportunity with Job. Had a chance to pray with Megan about something that's really important to her, right? And just talking to other sheep. And you know, it's fun to be a part of people's stories and people's lives. Man, that's what some of us, I'm telling you, 
Man, the Lord has made so much investment in your life. Man, New City is the place that you're going to get to flex your spiritual muscles and disciple the snot out of people. Pastor the snot out of people. Care for people. You get to be like me in that silly video. Woohoo! Look what I'm doing for Jesus. Right? Because come back. If your faith has grown cold, man, come back. I love the fact that I say my parents are starting to come to New City. By that I mean that my parents' age group. For when New City first started, there's a lot of young families, and now I feel like we're getting these folks that are in their 60s coming to New City. And I love that because you know what? Man, we need you here. I mean, there's a lot of young families. There's a lot of young people. Some of you are like, man, I'm mad. I could be mad to dad. Um, we, you have, you have uh, ministry left in your bones. You have ministry left in your soul. There are sheep that need you to feed them. What's that mean? To teach them the Word of God. To teach, you need to teach us spiritual babies how to read our Bible. There are some of you here that need to shepherd my sheep, that you need to come and put your arm, and you need to, with the rod and the staff, and you need to direct us young leaders, us young parents, us young, the millennials in the room, on what does it look like to follow Jesus. You've got a lot of skin in the game. Jesus has invested in your life for all of these years. And man, I'm just, I'm getting, this is me like putting a deputy star on your chest and saying, listen, the only reason that you won't go and shepherd the sheep at New City is because you choose not to. Because you have my encouragement in the Word of God in you where God is wanting to do something so big in your life. Man, flex those muscles and come back to the Lord. If that's you today, if you're saying, Matt, today I am coming back to Jesus, will you let me know that? Because I'm going to celebrate the snot, right? Shepherd the snot, pastor the snot, celebrate the snot out of your decision to come back to the Lord. Don't be fooled by the empty chairs because they will be full. Do not be like, oh, wait, well, I'm telling you, man, God is continuing. Not that He's going to, He is. And we will be ready. Why? Because we have people who say, Lord, I'm all in. Does it matter about my shame? You've forgiven me. I've owned it. I've repented. Here we go. God, you've, I, don't, I ain't got you figured out. You're a little unknown to me, but I'm going to trust you and your provision. Let us know that. And I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm passionate for you. Father, I'm I'm passionate about the men and the women who, whether they started following you at a summer camp when they were a teenager or you got a hold of their heart in college, you got a hold of their life through distractions, through disaster, through hurt. And in their story, their love, their passion has grown cold. God, man, I I just ask that you would do a new thing in them. Encourage them. Breathe life into their ministry. Only you can do it. It's in Christ's name that we pray this. Amen.